0: We enjoy our conversations with Chip Minimar, editor of the Tribune Democrat, and so many things to talk about right now. As always, Chip, so glad you're with us today. How are you?
1: It's my pleasure, Bo, and it turns out you and I are talking on Election Day, so that's kind of ironic, I suppose, but there's a lot going on. This has certainly been an interesting election cycle for a primary.
0: Indeed. I was just going to make that comment to you. I am just fascinated by the way things have worked out, and I know that this is more in line with uh, work that Dave Suter does, but I think anybody who observes politics in the state of Pennsylvania, the most purple of states nationally, I am just fascinated by what's gone on, especially, number one, that Senate race in the Republican primary, just the way so much money has been spent by a few candidates. And we have one candidate that's just showing up out of nowhere that could potentially win today. This is incredible, and uh, I think that this could be a national story. I think it is a national story, isn't it?
1: It has been all along, though. There's there's obviously a lot of national money uh, flying around in Pennsylvania, especially for some of the TV networks um, that are getting a lot of that. Uh, We actually had uh, an option to buy... Ads in all of the papers in our company across Pennsylvania—that's and that's five daily papers and websites and all that. So mm-hmm. we, you know, we got involved in it, but really the money mostly goes to TV, as you know.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, people are spending it, and there's a lot of outside influences of, of kind of <laughs> almost uh, you know shadowy organizations you don't even know who they are, mm-hmm. you know, but you know they've got money and you know they've got resources, and you know they've been backing different horses in this race. And I tell you what. I wouldn't want to bet on either, the, either side of the, the Senate race right now. I would have thought Fetterman was a lock mm. until some of his late health issues. I think on the Republican side, I think, you know, Dr. Oz is the is the, the leader. But as you mentioned, Kathy Barnett has really made a nice charge at the end. And on the Republican side for governor, that's where it's really
0: wide open. If Kathy Barnett, by, by chance, wins this race... This is what makes this a national story is the fact that you've had Oz, you've had McCormick, even early on, Carlos Sands, spending millions upon millions of dollars, and it may not work for them. That might send a message nationally to the national parties.
1: Well, it might. You know, I think this is such an important... <laughs> An, such an important election nationally for both parties that, that they're, they're not going to back off. You
2: know, mm-hmm. th- that's
1: not going to be something that I think that you're going to see, especially in the fall. But uh, it, what I always love about primaries, especially ones that are as loaded as this one, is, is that you've got people in the same party basically fighting each other to get one spot, and then, then they have to kind of get behind that one winner after all the dust settles. Right. Just, that to me is just fascinating.
0: Yeah, and just another general observation about this election cycle is if you're going to put out a funny ad make sure it's funny and not stupid i think too often the electorate is made out to look stupid you know that we're to believe that somebody is not who he or she is and that's one thing that i can take out of this i just think some of these candidates just have not seemed all that credible because these character things are kind of forced upon us Am I stretching well, here?
1: No, no, no. I think I think that's a fair assessment. And a lot of it, as we've seen, is is who can make themselves more—at least on the Republican side—certainly appear to be more in line with Donald Trump right, right now. Yeah. Or or to paint somebody else as not being in line with Donald Trump. And uh, you know, that's it, it, it's really just kind of getting close to the teacher in elementary school, kind of kind of <laughs> a jostling. You know, who, how yeah. how close to this guy can, yeah. can I either stand or appear appear to stand? I mean, Bill McSwain. Uh, Donald Trump came out and unendorsed him in a very ugly way. And then McSwain's ads continue to show pictures of himself with Donald Trump. Right. um, You know, and and David McCormick similarly. Same thing. Yeah. You know, and and that whole dynamic is just fascinating. And and who is, is in a position to to either. You know, fall in line with that that ideological uh, approach, or or to paint somebody else as being outside of it. Now, Kathy Barnett's extremely conservative. If mean, mm-hmm. you follow any of her career, her spokes, her, her her work as a political commentator, and yet many many of her opponents are now trying to paint her as a liberal. And the same thing was happened with Dr. Oz early on. So. it's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes you're right. You don't know what
0: to believe. Yeah. Well, the power of Trump is is certainly evident, and uh, no doubt uh, his his influence upon voters in this region is uh, very very powerful. And I think that's been very beneficial to uh, to Dr. Oz. Could could be enough to carry him over. We will see. Certainly very soon. Mastriano gets a little boost with that endorsement from uh, former President Trump, also. But as you mentioned, also on the Democrat side. What looked like it was a runaway for Fetterman um, with the news of late, Um, this is something that could be a factor today.
1: You would think people at least have it on their minds, yeah. you know, those who haven't voted yet already. You know, you know, if you're if you're filling out a mail-in vote, you're turning it in, in person, which is what people need to do on Tuesday. Frankly, you can't put it in the mail by then.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but also, if you're going into the polls in a traditional in a traditional way, you're just going to cast your, your your votes as you always have. That's at least something probably tickle in the back of your mind if you're a Democratic voter. Now, look, he looks fine and his statements have all been very positive. And, uh, you know, says he'll be fully recovered and that kind of thing. And, and I, yeah, I certainly hope and pray that that's the truth. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I'm voting in that in that race, it's going to at least be something I can pause and think about. Mm-hmm.
0: No doubt. Talking... Certainly the
1: timing for him couldn't be a whole lot worse. I mean, if it happened at late October, that'd be worse probably.
0: Yeah, agreed.
1: Uh, but otherwise it's about as bad as it could be from a timing standpoint.
0: Right. Well, whatever happens, it's going to be interesting to see how this develops in uh, – the general election, how some of these candidates will now have to pivot from the extremes of their party to more of the center, because again, you know, as I said, whereas it's a ruby red uh, primary for the Republicans, this is a purple state, same thing. You have Fetterman who is on the extreme kind of Bernie Sanders type of uh, level as a Democrat. You know, will he try to attract independent voters um, in the, in the primary, it's, it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, if we have extreme candidates on, on both sides, how they're going to play out for that independent voter.
1: I'm especially looking forward to that, uh, bow on the, on the, on the governor's election. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I would, I would characterize Matriano as a far right Trump extremist,
2: frankly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: um, and, and he's gotten that backing and he would be going against Josh Shapiro, who had no competition for the Democratic nomination. And I'm not sure I would call him extreme, although he worked with, you know, Governor Wolf, he has been in that administration.
2: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: Uh, You know, that'll be a, a very, very compelling race if, if that's how it plays out. Right. Now, you know, I have been in contact with the Cambria County Republican Party, and they came out with recommendations, not endorsements. And they did not recommend or endorse Doug Mastriano. Wow. Um, and, and that was partly because of his connections to the January 6th insurrection and some of those types of issues. And, and his, his comments about the election were, you know, that it was it was fraudulent, although there was never any actual proof of, the, of widespread, um, mm-hmm. you know, election fraud. There were pockets here and there, certainly, that were uncovered. So, you know, that I think it was kind of interesting to watch how the Cambria County Republican Party stepped away from him Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: they endorsed either they said take take your pick dave white or lou barletta Mm -hmm. on the republican side for governor and then they backed Mehmet oz and then jeff bartos as the two for senate um and it just had one lieutenant governor thus clarice shillinger but to step away from mastriano entirely is was a a very interesting thing for me and and trying to turn to unpack what that says about how they see politics
0: in our region. Chip Minemeyer, editor of the Tribune Democrat, joining us. And as we talk about uh, the local Republican Party, uh, the, the local races have also um, uh, generated uh, some interest here. Uh, the Democratic primary that's going on for the House seat, uh, Frank Burns, has, has a challenge right now. And uh, there's been some mud slung. <laughs> and... I believe a, a difficult seat for him to hang on to as this region becomes more uh, Republican. Don't know if he expected to have such a fierce challenge, and uh, that's interesting the way this is going to be played out today as well.
1: Absolutely, and anybody who's followed uh, Frank Burns' career I've seen him slip uh, to the right more and more, right. partly because he's reflecting a region that's done that. He has I'm to, sure. Yeah. You know, he's not actually just pulled me aside and told me that, but I'm just you know watching his. Uh, his career—he's been in, in the house for you know more than a decade, so yeah. he's got a little bit of a track record. But he's always been pro-police and, and a lot of other things. So, yeah, and now he's got the challenger from Michael—the Mike—the Michael Cashaw campaign. Uh, with with some strong local support from business people in Johnstown, and the other thing, kind of an interesting backdrop, the context for that race is the shift in the boundaries for that mm-hmm. for that district have now include Johnstown when when in the past they did not. Right. Um, and that you know the district you know east south a bit. Jim Rigby's district moved west and north away from the city, and now Frank Burns, as you know, going into this next election, if he's reelected. Would represent the city of Johnston as well as a lot of rural Cambria County up to Evansburg, and and if it's not him, it'll you know either be Cash Shaw, or or some you know the Republican. So you know I think uh, you know Renee Billup is on the Republican side uncontested. So mm-hmm. you have three people trying to win this this reconfigured district, and that now includes the city of Johnston. So it's you know it's again uh, very very compelling election race here.
0: I am very very curious. It's going to be interesting. Chip, I uh, saw uh, my friend Amy Bradley at the grocery store uh, this past weekend, and what was nice is we got to exchange pleasantries because I I always talk to her about what's going on in in the city, and we were actually uh, talking about some interesting things with our families and so forth. That was really nice. Didn't have the opportunity to talk to her uh, about the piece that she wrote about rebranding the area, which I think is very uh, interesting. Because uh, this, area, this region has so much good to offer, and I just think we've sold ourselves short uh, far too often.
1: Well, she was reflecting from a Chamber perspective, you know, the work that's being done by Roger Brooks and his group, Destination Development, was brought in by, by the Chamber and by the Tourism Bureau and other groups to say, you know, what, what should we be talking about mm-hmm. as we market Johnstown to the outside world? Um, and I think, you know, that whole process continues to play out. There's been a series of public meetings and a lot of behind-the-scenes work try to develop, you know, a, a marketing mission statement, and then from that, you know, a marketing plan or, a, or, or an outward statement is going to be used to, to try to, you know, not only sell the Johnston region to folks who may come here in, in, in a tourism or business capacity, but also to reassure or to build up, Um, Support internally for folks already here, Mm
2: -hmm. you know, and
1: and it's just that's kind of the the two the two sides of that coin And yeah, she she talked a lot about you know What the future of Johnstown might look like and how this process is really geared at? uh, Not only you know shaping that future but also then providing messaging that 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 gets the word out that there's a lot of great things happening in Johnstown.
0: Absolutely, and you know what she and I talked about was you know stuff that was uh, you know presented on Facebook positive stories. And I think social media has actually become a problem, especially with this region. Even when you give a positive story, there's always going to be the naysayers. There's always going to be the negativity. It just seems as if too many of us thrive on (laughs) putting each other down. It's kind of tough to change that mindset, though, isn't it?
1: yeah we're our own worst enemy many times and, and, and I think that's unfortunate. Yeah, and I don't know you know how far back that goes, how many generations back it goes. but I, mean, I think you know, what what Johnstowners need to do is, is kind of expect better for ourselves you know going mm. forward because there are a lot of good things happening, both on the, uh, the economic development front and also in kind of the, the tourism and the quality of life side. Yeah. and you know we have a lot to talk about though. yeah and it's very good. Um, do we are we out of the, the realm of challenge? No, we've got a lot that we still need to work on. And right. I think that's, you know, also acknowledged in this process through Vision Together 2025 and various organizations that are affiliated with Vision. But, you know, I think that the whole the first big step, as you kind of alluded, is is to give ourselves some credit. Right. And to say, yeah, you know, we're doing some things that are very, very positive here. And, uh, you know, let's celebrate them you know, internally in our own family, and then, then we can sell
0: it outside. Mm, yeah, well, kind of a, a sore subject to bring up now, especially as we talk about positivity. But <laughs> but I know, Chip, that yeah. you're a major... Penguins fan, as big as anyone Ugh. that I know, how heartbreaking was that? Listen, I told everybody last week, you know, being up 3 1, this series is not over with what we've been through. But on Sunday night, um, uh, losing in overtime wasn't just losing that series, but I'm telling you, not to sound dramatic, this could be losing a whole era, uh, you know, especially, you know, the three guys that have played together that have meant so much to this team for so long. Boy, if that's the last time they step on the ice together. It was a great run, and uh, it just breaks my heart.
1: Well, you're talking about Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Christmas time, mm-hmm. and They've been together for 16 years, and 16. in the playoffs, every one of those. Years. Wow. And that's just, that's just, well, it's unprecedented. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing. Not only have, have we gotten a little bit spoiled, yes. even though they haven't won the cop in five years, right? Right. Um, they're always there. They're always challengers. And I think what a lot of people worry about, number one, you know, missing that, that, you know, the, the fondness they have for those players that have been with the Penguins for a long time that have kept the uh, program at a high level and have just been good guys, you know, fun to watch on the ice and, mm-hmm. and, you know, not problems in any way, you know, and they seem to get along. They seem to like each other. Mm-hmm. So you do have hope that they might, you know, in some some way, you know, manage to stay together because I don't think any of them are done playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, it's it's whether or not they're all going to be wearing black and gold next year. That's the big question, right? And, uh, you know, especially with LeTang and Malkin both being free agents.
0: Yeah. Brian
1: Brian Rust throw his name in the middle. There you go. There's another one um, that they have to resign. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, in terms of end of an era, I think that's what everybody's kind of a little bit uh, down about. Because not only do you lose a playoff game and you lose a 3-1 series lead, and then you lose... Leads in each of the three games, then the rest of the way, those five, six, and seven, you were ahead, 2-0, 2-0, 3-2 in the third period. Mm-hmm. Couldn't hold them off at the end of the third, and then obviously gave up the goal in, in overtime. Won an overtime game early on, It I think, really gave the Penguins momentum that a lot of people didn't feel they were going to have in this series, right? Because mm-hmm. the Rangers dominated the Pens the last three times they played in a regular season, and he went into this series thinking, if it's like that, we're going to get swept, or we're going to be out in five. You know, really kind of you had to play better than you played <clears throat> against New York in a regular season. That overtime win, I, thought, I think, gave gave us all, probably the team too, a lot of confidence and carried them for a few games. But you still have to maintain it. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I am concerned about what this team might look like by the time training camp rolls around late in the summer.
0: Another observation that I have, but um, getting tickets toward the end of the season was pretty easy for me. That's that's something that had been a challenge for many, many years. I just wonder also if maybe there's a, some fan burnout, you know, of, you know, because we have been spoiled. We've had it so good for so long that maybe a shakeup could be a good thing. Perhaps I'm in a minority with this statement, but what do you think of that?
1: Yeah, yeah I think, you know, Part of what happened late in the season was the Penguins, I think it was mid-February, were actually in first place briefly, mm-hmm. and then went on a, a, a bit of a slide and, and came into the playoffs. There was at one point where they were in, at risk of being the eighth seed in the East yeah. and, and still managed to hang on to that, that third-place spot in their division. So um, it, it was a little bit of a struggle you know, headed into the playoffs. They were not playing their best hockey, just mm-hmm. to say it that way. A lot of injuries, and then a lot, a lot of injuries in the playoffs, too. But I think, uh, hey, I just got a text from the Penguins while we were talking. Oh, Here's wow. <laughs> I haven't read it, so I don't know what it says. Oh. Um, but But I think, uh, yeah, I think <laughs> rebuilds are tricky because, you know, yeah. you have to. I don't think the Penguins have ever gotten to what you might call rock bottom where you get a high draft pick or you get, you know, you get some cap relief so you can go out and sign a big time player. A lot would have to happen. Now, obviously, if some of those big names we talked about didn't come back, Mm -hmm. that would free up cap money to go out and get somebody. I don't Mm -hmm. even know who's on the market, to be honest with you, who would be out there, who would fit well from a chemistry standpoint and a style of play and all that kind of stuff. I think it's safe to say, um, maybe I'm wrong, that Mike Sullivan is certainly going to be back, I would think. Mm -hmm. Um, Very respected, successful coach. But beyond that, you know. I'm always leery of, of kind of makeovers
0: because yeah. they don't
1: always turn out. They don't no. always, it doesn't always go well. Nope. But, but the other side of that, as you seem to, you know, you, you kind of said, is you can't go on and on and on and on without at least saying, all right, we need to shift
0: gears here. Right, right. And if this is it, it's been a great run. And uh, even this series, You know, you know, as you say, Losing the leads in in, in uh, you know games five six and seven even so I, I you know I think this team has nothing to be ashamed of uh, and that's an unpopular uh, opinion today but um, uh, such an exciting series just hate to see it end the way that it did
1: um, uh, you know whenever the Rangers scored late in the third period to tie mm-hmm. I mean I I, I was just I thought well okay there it is you know and I, even though we went to overtime with them and it just didn't work out I kind of felt like would kind of sealed our fate right there. We needed to get him down three two and get to the end of the regulation mm-hmm. time and then take a deep breath and go play Carolina. You know, but uh, <laughs> you know uh, that never got that option. It'll be the Rangers playing
0: Carolina. Nah, there's always next season. Chip Minemeyer, editor of the Tribune Democrat, joining us here. And as we do with our regular weekly feature with uh, a staff member of uh, the Tribune, we always enjoy this. And you certainly have to be very proud of uh, the staff that, uh, that works with you there. And uh, some honors went to uh, a couple people with some familiar names. Uh, anybody listens to this show? Um, again, Chip, you have to be very, very happy with uh, awards that, that were granted uh, to some good people.
1: Yeah, it's nice when when you do well, I man. I think all of us who have been around awards and I've been a judge many times and, and I've also, you know, been involved as a you know, organizational participant entering you know, submissions and hoping to win. And and you never know. Mm-hmm. And I think every year that I enter a contest, whether it's the Pennsylvania News Media Association, which is the press association of our state, whether it's the you know, Western Pennsylvania Press Association that has an award program called the Golden Quills. Or our company awards, which there you know we have those every year. Um, you always have things you you submit that you think have a pretty good chance of doing well, and then you have other things you submit that you like, but you're not sure how they might do. And there's always a surprise or two mm-hmm. <laughs> along the way, you know. But you know, it, yeah, you're right. We, we found out not too long ago that we had done really well in the, in the Keystone Media Awards here in Pennsylvania, and you're judged against uh, media companies. Similar size, so we're not running up against the Philly Inquirer and the Pittsburgh Post Gazette necessarily. Um, you know, more aren't in line with us. Well, but it is a good yardstick to kind of see how outsiders see the work you did versus, you know, work from comfortably sized outlets. Um, hmm. I was a judge this year for Virginia Press Association entries, and then, you know, the Virginia newspapers all judged Pennsylvania entries, which was kind of an interesting trade off. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, we ended up with 14 individual victories by category nice. in the Pennsylvania news media. And for the first time in anybody's memory, we won what they call the sweepstakes, which is the most individual wins in your own uh, division.
2: Oh,
1: wow. So yeah. last year we tied for the most, but one other place had, had, had one more first place than us, so that gave them the you mm. um, Yeah, but just to have 14 winners and, and across a, a variety of styles of, of media coverage, news coverage was was very gratifying.
0: Yeah, just great. But as I said, Chip, great people. I, you know, anytime that I talk to somebody uh, affiliated with uh, the, the Tribune, you know, before these conversations, you could you always know people have done their homework before they come in to talk to me and i know i have to be on my toes whoever you know whether it's josh byers or dave Suter, uh whomever kelly urban's fantastic as you know as well um yep. everybody always enjoy the conversations just uh, very knowledgeable and uh, no doubt that you know care a great deal uh, about their work
1: well, that's absolutely true, and I can tell you that from being around the folks you interview on a weekly basis. I'm around them all the time, and you know the, the passion for what they do, um, the, the commitment to doing it well, and to being uh, open to the shifting way that we tell stories and, and do news. I think that's that's always something that comes forward to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and here, maybe just give you the first places that we had in Pennsylvania, and you and a lot of these people will be familiar. To your listeners, so the first place is Josh Byers. You mentioned Josh; he took first place for news beat reporting, and he covers education as a beat. And he talks about education coverage with you all the time, mm-hmm. and people just can tell how knowledgeable he is and how committed he is to understanding that beat. John Rokoski has two first places, which was pretty cool. He had a sports action photo that took first place, but then he also wrote a story about Flight 93 as part of the series we did last summer, leading up to the 20th anniversary of 9/11, wow. and he wrote about kind of the environmental aspect yeah, of the right. Flight 93 National Memorial. Yes. And I thought that was a great story, and it turned out the judges agreed. He looked at, you know, acid mine drainage research being done there, um, species of trees, species of insects, species of birds, all that. And John's an outdoors guy, so he mm-hmm. loves those topics. And, and he took first place for that, and also with Flight 93. Um von bernheimer who you should have on this show quite frankly mm-hmm. he's our digital digital content manager he did a fabulous video of a tour of flight 93 where it was narrated by the communications director down there and uh you know she she took us from spot to spot to spot and talk about how you know the tower of voices was developed and what the meaning is behind it and uh, and, uh you know, the plaza and the wall of names and all these different features of the Flight 93 National Memorial. And he did a great job of setting video of her talking and overlaying shots from the area down there and also just music in the background.
0: Yeah, Vaughn does pretty an powerful, awesome, aw- awesome job when I've been down to visit and just so impressed with, uh, yeah, the work he does.
1: Well, he was also, his fingerprints were on a lot of what we, we did well with, and that includes that podcast Josh Byers does with Hiking the Highlands. He mm. works with Vaughn a on production of, of that podcast, which is one of our most popular uh, new features anymore. Mm-hmm. And then uh, yeah, Vaughn also worked with reporter Russ O'Reilly on our big uh, interactive graphic for downtown development, looking at who's buying property in downtown Johnson and what the plans are mm. and all of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, particularly pleased with the digital winners and I'm also pleased that some of our Flight 93 material did really well including a piece by David Hurst who's a regular on your show and then we also won ongoing news coverage for our coverage of Flight 93 last September so you know to me there's no more important thing that we do than cover that place and to see judges kind of think we did well
0: um, Mm -hmm. is gratifying. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I should mention Mike Mastovich because uh, I didn't mention him earlier. (laughs) Exactly. And, and, you know, every time I talk to Mike, there's always something I didn't know that I find out in conversations with him. Uh, So just uh, tremendous, uh, tremendous people affiliated.
1: He took second place sports beat reporting Last year, he was Force Writer of the Year for our company, CNHI, and he's always right there for all these awards. He's, yeah. he's you know, going to be in contention you know, forever.
0: Ah, wonderful. Chip, people want to reach out to you. Uh, what would you advise?
1: Well, you can get me a couple of different ways. There's a phone number, 814-532-5091. That rings right into my desk. So if you have ideas, if you have uh, criticisms, comments, suggestions, that's a good way to get me. Or cminimeyer at t r i b d e m tribdem.com. And I do answer my emails. So those are the two uh, easiest ways to hunt me down.
0: Well, as I said earlier, fasten your seat belts. Today is going to be <laughs> an interesting day. And I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about uh, in the days that are going to follow this event today. Pretty fascinating well, stuff.
1: Yeah. And, and Bo, to be honest, and people might want to re- recognize this, we may not know at the end of the day, right. Tuesday, who won these two big statewide races. It depends how fast the results come in. It might be a, a day or two till they're certified. You mm-hmm. know, we can say, yes, it was this person on the Senate side and this person on the governor's side. You mm-hmm. know, we may not have. A winner and I put air quotes nobody can see me but winner um for a, <laughs> for a couple of days and we're all used to like knowing when we go to bed Tuesday night oh you know that's who that's who our new president as well some it's harder and harder even with technology yeah you know it's, it's things have, have in some ways slowed down right and there's just so many different ways to vote and so many different types of ballots are being counted that um, you want to give everybody the chance to be part of that process which I'm in favor of but You know, obviously, you don't get results
0: sometimes as fast as you used to. Mm -hmm. Well, Chip, thank you so much for taking the time today. As you know, I always enjoy these conversations with you. And, uh, hey, look forward to the next one.
1: Uh, My pleasure, Bo, anytime. And thank you for what you do for us. And keep up the good work, brother.
0: I really appreciate it, Chip. Thanks.